0: Hello and welcome to the podcast on Emanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Well, two weeks ago, I shared about, uh, you know, God's plan for evangelism. You know, God's plan for his van- evangelism, I said, was to basically get his people filled with the Holy Spirit. Get us to live spirit-filled lives and uh, that's what i was emphasizing you know it's it's entirely possible to be a christian to be baptized in the holy spirit even you know maybe a church goer somebody who loves to sing songs and worship to god maybe a giver but it's possible to do all of those things but still live a life that basically looks just like somebody who doesn't know god think about it it's possible shouldn't be possible but it is possible. Come on. We've met people who've not been walking with God and we know at times they've encountered God, right? You you know, you, you look and you're like, man, you've been filled with the spirit. You've been speaking in tongues. You've been doing, God did miracles in your life. And yet now you're living just like everybody else. What does, how does that happen? How does that happen? That's a rhetorical question. How does that happen? You know, people can look at us and say, man, they're such spiritual people. But the question is, are we really yielding to the Spirit of God in our lives? Think about it. Are we really yielding to the Spirit of God? or the When we have a situation, do we immediately go to God? Do we immediately look to Him or yield to Him? Or is our first course of action looking to our own abilities and our own resources? Think about that. You know, have you ever counseled somebody? Giving them advice, man. I'm gonna give you some advice because I know what you need to do, kind of thing, right? But you did it in the natural, not by the spirit of God. You ever done that? I've done it. Come on, we've all given advice. We all know, we all know what everybody else is supposed to be doing, <laughs> right? And, and sure, we should give each one another advice. We should counsel people where 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 it's beneficial, but you know, they don't need just your opinion. They need to hear from God. They need to hear from the spirit of God in you. Not human wisdom, but the spirit of God. How many times, you know, have you know you have you been sick or whatever, and you go to the medicine cabinet or the doctor first, right? Before you pray, before you look to Jesus as your healer. You know the devils the devils trying to train us just to accept some things in our lives. I love the fact that Carolyn would not accept the fact that the doctor said you're going to be on oxygen for the rest of your life. She said, no, I'm not going to take that. Me and Jesus are going to do something else. And she wasn't offered any help from the doctor early on. Now now he's come around, thank God. But she wasn't offered any help from the doctor early on that it would even be possible. But she said, no, I'm, I'm not going to go that way. And, you know, I'm not saying that don't go to the medicine cabinet or don't go to the doctor. But first, come on, we need to look to Jesus. He's our healer. And the devil wants us to be trained that, well, we're just going to have to go through this again. We're going to have to put up with this again. You know, got, got the symptoms again. It's going to be another two weeks or whatever it is. We won't get to go and be with our friends for two more. No. Uh, uh. No, Jesus is my healer. You know, so, so are we really being spiritual people or not? That's, that's, are we yielding to the spirit? Is the spirit working in our lives in these ways? Have you ever tried to worship, work out your relationship issues just with your own wisdom and understanding? How'd that work for you? Come on, seek God's counsel. Seek God's wisdom in the situation, right? You know, even Je- Jesus even said that we could pray and should pray to the Father, give us this day our daily bread. That's what he said. And yet, how many of us don't even think to thank- ask God for for food? We just go and we buy food from the money that we work from our own sweat and our own sweat of our brow and the work of our hands. And He's all this time, he's willing to provide for us in a supernatural way we settled for so much less than what we could have. See, God is looking to do wonderful things in our lives. He's looking to do wonderful things in our church, in our communities, in our homes. But what we've got to do, we've got to learn how to yield to his spirit. So two weeks ago, I I talked about this and I said, you know, all four gospels introduce Jesus as the one who will baptize people with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, John the Baptist starts off, he's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, and it's in John. It's a, it's, it must be important if it's in all four, but yet you can read the entire Gospels all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and not one time do you see him baptizing anybody with the Holy Spirit. Yet yeah, you know it's important because John the Baptist said this is going to be his ministry. So John gives us a couple of clues as you're reading through the book of John. He gives us some clues as to why. In John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, Jesus says, "...whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified." So there's a clue right there. The Spirit had not yet been given. So I want you to make a mental note here. John is writing, actually, to a people who had already experienced the power of the Spirit. They're already experiencing the Spirit working in their lives. And what he's doing, he's going back and explaining to them, you know, there was a time where what you were experiencing wasn't available to us yet. Back when we were walking with Jesus, we were with him, we were seeing all these things he was doing, but we were not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit because the Spirit had not yet been given. There was a time, believe it or not, when the Spirit had not yet been given. But even then, in that time, Jesus was talking about the time when the Spirit would come, right? You can see it, uh, toward the end of the book in John 16. He has this lengthy conversation and there's many references to the spirits coming and what he would do. I just want to read to you verse seven of chapter 16. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away. I'm going to the father. And when I go, I'm going to send you the helper the holy spirit and so what we do we see here that the baptism with the holy spirit is going to be something that Jesus does not in his earthly ministry but after he goes to the right hand of the father right this is a key function in Jesus's ministry this is how this is how the bible introduces Jesus Christ he's going to be the one to baptize with the holy spirit this is an important piece of information about the ministry of Jesus. This is an important uh, function or ministry office that Jesus has, the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. It's something that we should not ignore. We need to live spirit-filled lives, amen, baptized in the Holy Spirit, letting the Spirit use us and move through us in signs and wonders and miracles. We need to learn how to yield to the Spirit, constantly, and all these things. Yeah, we should counsel one another. Go back through my list. We should counsel one another. We need to, you know, uh, do whatever we need to do to feel well. None of that's wrong, but we need to do it in the power of the Spirit. Everything we do, we need to do in the power of the Spirit. So listen to this. The Gospels were not written just to convince people that you needed the Holy Spirit. The Gospels were written to explain why you are experiencing the Holy Spirit right now you get what I'm saying? Because the Gospels weren't written while Jesus was on the earth. The Gospels were written years after he went to heaven. The Holy Spirit came. People were experiencing miracles, signs, and wonders. And the Gospels were written. And they said, you know what? This is what John the Baptist said he was going to do from the beginning. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus went to the right hand of the Father and poured this out. They're explaining what's going on. They were explaining what was happening. They were explaining what they were experiencing. They were explaining just exactly who was the one who was sending the Holy Spirit. And, you know, evangelism is a lot easier. We talk about winning, you know, reaching out and winning the world for Jesus, You know, it's a lot easier when the Spirit is moving and having His way. It just is. I know sometimes we can get embarrassed by some of the things people say is the Holy Spirit. But where the Holy Spirit is really free to do what only He can do, it's a lot easier to tell people that they need to repent, that they need to serve Him, that they need to give their lives to Him. I mean, understand the demands of the gospel. It's like Jesus is standing there and he's saying, look, if it wasn't worth dying for, I would have never asked you to do it. I'm asking you to give your lives to this message completely. We don't don't present it with that kind of clarity, do we? No, it's like, oh, Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to just add Jesus to your, no. You, you, You surrender your life when you come into the kingdom. You come under the authority of another. That's what a king is. You come into the kingdom and the king is now your boss. Have we presented it with that kind of clarity? Well, when the Holy Spirit's working, you can. Where people are being saved, where people are, the Holy Spirit's working in their heart, where signs and wonders are happening, that's a very reasonable demand to make. But if you're just another club, I mean, who who's going to give your life for that? I'll join your club too. And then on Tuesday, I'll go to the other club. And on Wednesday, I'll go to the other club. And on Friday night, I'll go to the other club. And I'll come to your club on Sunday morning. That's not the gospel, is it? That's not the gospel you read about in this book, is it? There's a a level of living, that spirit-filled living, that's beyond what what most people have experienced. Think about Peter's message in Acts chapter 2. You know, um, the Holy Spirit's poured out. They're speaking in tongues and all these things. You can read it in Acts chapter 2. And Peter, it says in chapter 2, verse 14, he stands up with the 11 and he lifts up his voice and he addresses the people to explain what's going on. He says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words for these people are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. Come on, let's be honest. That is a hilarious way to begin the first sermon of the first church in Jerusalem. (laughs) Everybody, come on, gather around. Look at me. Give me your attention. Everybody look at me. I got to tell you something. We are not drunk. (laughs) I promise we are not drunk. This is the the first sermon, okay? We're not drunk. Uh, It's hilarious to me. But what's going on here? I mean, of course they're not drunk. They're not. The verse before says they were mocking them. They were mocking. They were mocking the things of the God of God. They were mocking the things of the spirit. So here they are. Listen to this. These are a bunch of people from Galilee. Galilean spoke with an accent. Okay? If you're not from here, you know you may speak with an accent, right? I've, I have my accent so confusing to me because I've lived everywhere. I get around different people, and I can't speak anymore. but uh, but these people from Gallup Man, they came down out of the woods, man, these are country boys. They knew how to work with their hands. They knew how to fish. They knew how to provide for themselves. They come down there with their accents from Galilee up to, to Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit is literally giving them the ability to speak in languages of people that they've never met and never known. Okay, that doesn't happen. That is not the normal uh, characteristics of a drunk person. Okay. Now I've met drunk people who do start talking about Jesus. Okay. I I know that person too. I mean, but it's not this, you know what I'm saying? These people are articulating the wonders and the mysteries of God in languages that they have not ever been able to speak before. And they are looking around, they're like, aren't these all Galileans? How do we hear them speaking these languages in our own mother tongues? You know, we've got people here. Um, I love our church, man. We've got people from all over the world in this building. I love that. It's going to be what heaven is going to be like. And I know from living with Rin Kim, there's something about hearing uh, the word of God in your mother tongue, even though she speaks like six languages. When you hear somebody speak in your mother tongue, man, it it means something. And and here Jesus is uh, baptizing them with the Holy Spirit, and they're speaking the wonders of God, the mysteries of God in people's mother tongues. And they're they're blown away. This is a move of God. This is not people being intoxicated, right? And so, um, you know, what, what that tells me is this. This spirit-filled movement has been mocked from the very beginning. From the very first time people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there were people to deride it and make fun of it and belittle it and put it down. Well, if it started out that way, why should we think that it's going to be any different from us? Just get ready for it. It's just going to happen. Do you remember um, uh, when Jesus, um, well, let me read it to you. You'll remember it maybe when I read it. Matthew chapter 12, 22 and 24 is a demon, a demon, a demon oppressed man. And, um, you know, he did several. So let me read this particular story. Uh, it says in Matthew 12, 22, a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute. So this demon was causing physical symptoms in his body, blindness, and, and, and he couldn't talk and Jesus healed him. Listen to this so that he spoke and saw. Okay. This is a verifiable miracle. Okay. Jesus didn't lay hands on him and just touched him. And he felt goosebumps. Jesus healed him so that he spoke and saw. Okay. This is a verifiable miracle. The results could not be argued with or discredited. This is a real miracle. And it says in verse 23 that all the people were amazed and they said, can this be the son of David? Can this be, you know what that means? Son of David in the Bible, son of David equals, can this be the coming King? Okay. Okay. This is, this is not just talking about David's son. Could this be the, the ruler of Israel that the scriptures had promised? That's what, that's what that meant when those people were saying that. So, you know, the present leadership of Israel was not super comfortable with that, especially because they were opposing him. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they were not looking for the people to come and take Jesus and make him king. They were not looking for a revolution. You know what? Let me just tell you this. It was enough for the Pharisees and the Sadducees to just every day say, oh, we want the Messiah to come. We want the king to come. We want to be set free. But we are so comfortable serving God with our little system that we've set up now and the little peace that we've made with the Romans. We don't want anybody to disturb it, even if it's God himself. Does that sound like anything that we've experienced today? Come on. Can we be so comfortable just coming to church and saying, oh, I want Jesus and going home and not letting it change us? God wants to invade our lives. We need to open our lives to let God invade us. They would would resist even God himself because they didn't want to upset the status quo. Well, I pray that God upsets our status quo. Amen? We need to change some things, don't we? If we're not seeing the results that Jesus saw on a consistent basis, if we're not seeing the results that the early disciples saw in, in on a consistent basis, we need to change. We need to continue to grow. We need to repent. We need to leave some things behind. We need to take on some new things. Come on. Come on. So God, interrupt us. That's my prayer today. So here's this miracle, verifiable results. They say, oh, man, could this be the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, they heard it. What did they say? It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. They're mocking him. This is a very, the man couldn't see and couldn't speak. Now he can see and speak. And they say what? They can't, they can't argue with the miracle. So they say, oh, he's doing it by the devil's power. Yeah, he's in league with Satan. <laughs> That's how he did it. They knew he wasn't in league with Satan. What are they doing? They're mocking him. They're belittling him. He cast out the demon by the Spirit of God. They're mocking the Spirit of God. And Jesus said as much. In verse 28, he says, If it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come to you. Okay, if the kingdom of God comes to him, he's talking about a kingdom, authority, a king coming. He's like, your worst fears are coming true. (laughs) The kingdom is here, and you'll be subjected to it. But here's the thing. In, In verse 31, he says, Therefore I tell you that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, he'll be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Making a mockery of the things of the Spirit is a serious offense. Uh, come on, is there anywhere else in the Bible that you read that, that says, um, uh, if you do this, you will not be forgiven? It's the only one I know about. It's a serious thing. And here these people are on the day of Pentecost saying they're drunk. And it's not the case. They're mocking the things of the Spirit. And they knew it. And Jesus knew they knew it. And so he called them out on it. And the people knew that Peter and the disciples weren't drunk. And so Peter says, no, we're not drunk. Look, as you step into the things of God, they'll come against you too. Peter said, "Hear my words, and and you know why they came against them. They didn't come against them just because they didn't like what they were doing or their stuff. They they came against them exactly for the exact reason that they were representing God. They were moving in the Spirit of God. They had real miracles. That's why they they did. That's why they came against Jesus because his miracle was real. It really happened on the day of Pentecost. That miracle was real." That's why they came against it. They were trying to discredit it, but it stood, and they couldn't argue with it. And so they discredited it. They tried to make a mockery of the messenger. And so don't be surprised if you move into the things of the Spirit, and they make a mockery of you as well. (laughs) Good news this morning. (laughs) Just be ready for it. Be ready for it. Listen, don't let the mocker define your experience with the Holy Spirit. Right? Don't let the people in the world who don't know God, who have this high opinion of their own intelligence and their own enlightenment, don't let them determine how far you can go with God. It's time for us to press in and be people of the Spirit. Amen? I've always said about this church that we are established in the Word and empowered by the Spirit. Established in the Word and empowered by the Spirit. That makes us useful to God. That makes us useful to people. Come on, don't you want to be useful? I want to be useful. And then also don't be goofy either and blame it on the spirit. That's another thing. Just, um, just a little side note. You can be goofy and blame it on the spirit. You better make sure it's the spirit in you. That's all. Or you can end up being the one who's guilty of, uh, you know, bringing reproach to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that as well. So uh, Peter says, first sermon, these people are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour in the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Or Joel. I need to say it in the Hebrew Joel. I like that because it means Jehovah is God. Joel. That's a good name. Oh my I had a new kid growing up, I think, named Joel, and he went to school with me. Joel. Yeah, it was Joel. Joel and Jimmy. Call him Joel. But it's Joel it means Jehovah is God. It's a good name. Um <coughs> This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And so he goes on and he starts quoting what, what he said. And I love the fact that Peter stood up in the crowd and he says, look, we're not drunk, but look at this phrase. This is what. This is what. We've been studying the book of Acts on, on Wednesday nights and, uh, um, you guys, if you can come, come to our Wednesday night service. We, we really have a great time. It's, it's Bible study and prayer. It's, it's a great time. We just wrapped up the study in the book of Acts. Rick is going to take the next, um, uh, four, four or so classes. And so come and, and just be a part of what God is doing. I mean, you know, the strength of the church, um, uh, they say is measured in the prayer meeting. Right? You can have a mega church with 2,000 people and 12 people show up for the prayer meeting. All right? I praise God. We have, I don't know, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 percent in attendance some nights on the prayer meeting. Not every night, but sometimes we have we have it's it shows us the, the condition of your hearts and our church, man. That's that's a good thing, that's a blessing. And so Peter stands up there and he says, we're not drunk, but this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. See, we're not called first to be theologians and apologists. We're called first to be explainers of what God is doing. We're supposed to be able to demonstrate these things, right? Now we need theologians and apologetics. Those are good things. We, 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 those are good pursuits. They're, they're beneficial to the body. But first and foremost, we are supposed to be explainers. You see that? This is what it looks like when God is moving. So, Peter stands up, he says, this is what Joel was talking about when he said, in the last days, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. See, even Joel didn't know what he was talking about. If you go look at the commentaries for the book of Joel, they they can't even really date it for sure. There's a couple different ideas of what it means, and Joel Joel talks about after that time. Nobody really knew for sure what he was talking about, but Peter wasn't confused, was he? Peter wasn't confused at all. He said, look, this is what Joel was talking about right here. You want to see the fulfillment of it? The Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh. And what you're seeing here, these signs and wonders and these flames of fire and these languages, this is the Holy Spirit. This is what Joel was talking about. And we're supposed to be able to do that. I think that's what's missing in the church today. The ability to stand there and say, look, this is that. This is what. This is what we need to do. This is what happens when you call upon the name of the Lord. This is what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. Uh, this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. This is what it looks like when God touches a person's life. This is what it looks like when somebody gives their life to Jesus and he delivers them from, from drugs or addiction. This is that. That's what the church should be filled with. So next week I expect to have a hundred testimonies, which means each of you are going to have to have two <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Cause God's working in your lives and we're expecting to see, so we can stand up and say, this is what God was talking about when he said I could pray and have faith and he would meet my needs. This is how he did it. He brought me to church. He got me off of oxygen. He messed up my schedule But this is what God was talking about when he's saying, I'll lead you, I'll guide you, I'll meet your needs, I'll provide for you, I've got a plan for you. This is what he was talking about. Come on, can we really do that as a church? Because that's how we're supposed to be living. You know, we say we want to win the world for God, but we don't always trust his way of doing it because we think we've perfected it, right? (laughs) We've got these little cute evangelism methods, man. And that's okay, start with a method, but put the spirit in it. You know what I'm saying? Put the spirit in it. Methods are not necessarily wrong. If they were wrong, then um um uh, what's his name? John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, would have a big problem. No, they were methodical and it it was it was not wrong. It's not wrong to be methodical at all, but make sure you put the spirit in there, right but we're supposed to be spirit-filled. We can't rely just on our little methods and techniques without the Spirit of God. We'll never win the world that way. And right now, statistically, I mean, at least in America, it looks like we're behind. It looks like we're losing traction and losing ground, not gaining. Thank God that the church is growing in other parts of the world, but it needs to be growing in America, too. And we're not going to do that with cute little methods and and perfect services and everything programmed. We're going to do that when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's when the world will notice and want what we've got, even if some of them mock. You know, after they were done with that day, 3,000, right? 120 men stood up, and the church went from 100 to 3,000 in one day. That's a pretty good launch, isn't it? It was a little while later, it was 5,000. And then they just quit counting. They just said the church was multiplied. 5,000 times what? I don't know. It just kept growing because the Holy Spirit was growing the church. They were yielding to him. He's got a plan. So we need to get in his program. So do you know that a powerless gospel is not even God's idea at all? You don't see it in the Bible. A powerless gospel is man's invention. We invented that because God's gospel is not powerless. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. Paul says, we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Our gospel, when it came, it came in not only in word, but in what power and in the Holy Spirit. This is how the early church grew, man. They didn't preach a powerless gospel. You know, it, was it God's idea to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the nations? Yeah, it, The answer is yeah. Um, you can tell me, yeah, if you want to. Nod your head. Yeah. It was, it's the Great Commission. We read it uh, two weeks ago. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. If, we're, if that's God's idea, we need to do it, but we need to do it in the Spirit's power. That's so why he told them to wait in Jerusalem till you have the spirits. Before you go all over the world and start sharing this, get clothed with power. Get the spirit's power in your life and then go. That's God's plan for evangelism. Look, I'm not saying it's the only thing we need to do. I'm saying it's the first thing we need to do. See, there are other things we need to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, it would be wrong to receive the Holy Spirit and sit here and just in our circle, you know, prophesy to each other and never go out and reach the world. That's not what it's for. It's for evangelism. Yes. But the first thing we need to do, not the only thing that we need to do, the first thing we need to do is live spirit-filled lives, receive the Holy Spirit, give our lives to Him, and have Him working in our lives and in our church. It's the first order of business. The first thing we need to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You know what he's saying? I was I was in fear, I was trembling, I was weak. You guys had to put up with me. I wasn't articulate in my speech. You weren't attracted to my delivery or my person, but what you saw was God working. And that's why you believe. Come on, don't you want to be grounded like that? I don't need to be convinced by listening to somebody who can say it good. I need to be convinced because God's working. The Spirit is moving. Things are happening. Come on, that's good, isn't it? Uh, later on in Second in Corinthians, the second letter, uh, chapter 12 and verse 12, he says, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Signs of an apostle are signs and wonders and mighty works. You know, we've not really preached the gospel until we've preached with signs and wonders and mighty works. He says the same thing or a similar thing in Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that and he goes on from Jerusalem all the way uh, around to Illyrium I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. We've not fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ until we've preached and spoken with powers of signs and wonders, have we? This is God's plan. This is what we need to have working in our lives. You know, the the world is God is trained to not expect these things. And what I, my job, I believe... <laughs> For Emmanuel is to let's stir this pot up, man. Let's rejoice over even little things until our expectancy gets up. Because we've been going to school in the school of the world. And how many times, you know, you go pray for something and you don't see the result. You pray again, you don't see the result. You pray again, you don't see the result. Pretty soon you feel like you're crazy for even praying. (laughs) But, you know, you can look at uh, the, the, the scriptures. Come on, this is true. Jesus really drove the demons out of those people. They really got into Peter's shadow and they were healed. Stephen really went down to Samaria and did signs and wonders and and healed people. Cripples really stood up. Cripples, people who, who couldn't move their legs, couldn't work their legs. This is real, and it's happened even in, 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 you know, recent history and all over. You hear the testimonies, but what we need to do is we need to quit looking at the failures and quit making doctrines for ourselves based on failures and just look to the Word and look to Jesus and stir it up and, and rejoice in every victory we have, no matter how big or how small, until we can turn that temperature up, man, and stretch our minds so that we'll believe for more, Right? I mean, praise God, Kaylee and Jay got a house. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. In in this time period, that's a miracle. There's no way that's not a miracle, okay? But you know what? Maybe we can believe for God to give us a building where we can all fit for a meal, right? I mean, that would also be a miracle. Let's stretch. Come on. Let's stretch. You know, thanking God that you you made it to church, praise God. But you know, let's keep on fighting, and let's next time let's say we're not going to receive this at all, right? Don't even touch my family, devil. Uh-uh. We're not taking it here. Let's let's stir up that coals, man. Stir it into flames, so that we believe for more. Are you with me on that? Do you want to see that, or is this just crazy to you? I want to see it. I want to see it. And I'm not talking about, you know, a new technique or a new method that we need to learn to see miracles. The truth is, techniques and things tend to exalt you. They exalt your ego, you know, that you learned this technique. It's not really about that. Techniques oftentimes are just shortcuts, you know, and they never really fail to deliver. You know, there's a shortcut to the power without going through the cross. You know, oh yeah, you can have resurrection life without dying. No, you can't. (laughs) You can't even have resurrection without dying. You gotta, you gotta be crucified with him and then raised together with him before you can have the resurrection power working in your life. Come on. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. Oh, the whole, you could do this and, and just keep doing what you're doing. And you can take this little power of the Holy Spirit and you can add it to your life. Well, okay, you're not going to add to your agenda. You're going to surrender to His agenda. And then you're going to speak for the Holy Spirit. You get what I'm trying to say? Techniques and gimmicks, they're just clouds without water. They're they're trees without fruit. They're, they're a form of godliness, but with no real power. We don't want the next technique or the next gimmick or the next book out there. I'm not saying every book is bad. I'm reading a book right now. It's an older book. Um, uh, by Jim Cimbala, you know, him up at the Brooklyn tab, man, great book, man, and you know how they built their church on um, prayer, prayer, they, they didn't do techniques, you guys are studying Jim Cimbala, right, too, there's a different book, but man, good stuff, good stuff, so I'm not, I'm not against books, don't, when I say that, don't think I am, but we don't need just the latest technique out there, we need the spirit of God, we need to surrender ourselves and have him flowing through us and working through us, because talk is cheap, right everybody let me just tell you everybody is tired about hearing what we're going to do you know what i'm saying i'm tired of hearing about what we're going to do do you remember when um one of my favorite verses in the old testament is um there's a man named ben hadad he's the king of syria and he's about to attack um king ahab you'll find it in first king chapter 20 verse uh, verse 10 it's still there um and so he sends word to the king of uh, Israel, and he says, uh, May the gods do so to me, and more so if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for handfuls of all the people who follow who follow me. So he's just, he's just boasting that I'm going to basically ground you to dust and destroy you. And, and what does Ahab? Ahab wasn't really a great king himself, but I love his answer here. Listen to what he says. He says, The king of Israel answered, Tell him, Let not him who straps on his armor boast himself as he who takes it off. Think about it. That's good, isn't it? Come on, we've not even put our armor on yet. Let not the man who, who uh, how does it say? Let not him who straps on his armor boast like he who takes it off. Come on, after you've won something and after you've accomplished something and you're taking your armor off, then you have grounds for boasting. Don't just tell me what you're going to do. Show me. And then you'll have room for boasting, right? See, nobody is impressed with a bunch of we're going to do. But they're impressed by what we actually do. It's time to be who God made us to be. We're not supposed to be becoming forever. We're growing. We'll be ever forever growing. But we are in him now. And we are supposed to be something because of being in him right now. Right? You know, who, it's no fun to, you know, do you know why God gives us, um, positional, you know, we talk about, you know, I'm positionally righteous in Him or think about that. He, He makes us righteous so that we can be righteous. He makes us holy so we can be holy. He makes us saved so we can live saved lives right he has healed us not so we could be positionally healed but so that we can live it out these things are supposed to be the things that he's done for us that he's put us in him are so that we can work them out in our lives so that they can come and express themselves in our lives we should never be satisfied just for a position when we can have the substance of it that's the purpose of the position is to give us the reality of it in our lives There were some men who moved into Corinth. We read a couple of verses there from Corinthians. There was a couple, Paul had some trouble because there were different people who came into Corinth after him and they were causing these factions. And one of these groups, they were speaking against Paul, okay? And they were giving him some grief and uh, they were actually taking advantage of the church there and they were, uh, you know, taking money from the church and, and teaching their own ideas of things and they were actually speaking evil things against Paul. Do you know how Paul addressed them? First Corinthians chapter four eighteen. He says, Some are arrogant, as though I'm not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. Look at the humility there. If the Lord wills. Right? He's not, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna no, he's like if the Lord wills, but he says this, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Nobody wants to hear what we're going to do. They want to see us doing it. So I just want to, I want to close with a couple of quick examples here. I've got this basket I brought. This is a wicker basket, all right? You know, if you know anything about a wicker basket, it's leaky, all right? You fill that with water and it'll just spill all over the floor right there. You know, the thing, I'm going to read you this from Colossians 2, 9 and 10. It says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. It says that you have been filled in him. Okay? We're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to live Spirit-filled lives. But we have been filled, not with him, we have been filled in him. Think about it. Okay? If I wanted to keep this basket filled with water, how would I do it? I would submerge it into the water and I would leave it in the water. In the river, the basket is filled, right? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we stay filled with the Holy Spirit? We need to make sure we're experiencing life in Him. And again, like I explained, I know positionally you're in him. I'm not questioning anybody's salvation. But he made us in him so that we can experience life in him, right? So that we can experience the fullness of God in him. And if we will stay in him, we will stay filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got here a battery. A little nine volt, right? I'm going to talk about electronics in front of Bruce. And then I'm going to embarrass myself. In electricity, energy that is not working, don't correct me if I'm wrong, just go along with me. Energy that is not working is called potential. It's not power, it's potential, right? So across these terminals, there's nine volts of potential. Am I right so far? Good, thank you. I did study this years ago too, so (laughs) not like you do. You work with it every day. You have the potential to be filled with the Spirit of God, right? But that potential doesn't become power until it's working, until it's used, until it's connected across a load or or a tool that's drawing the power, and it's the energy that's flowing through that tool that that's how you measure the power, right? You have the potential to be full of God. You may even be filled with God, but that potential doesn't become the power of God until it's working in your life or in the situation. Do you see what I'm saying? God wants us to express the power. We all have the potential. But that potential will become power when we put it to work. That's what potential is. Look, I've got two batteries now. Okay, It, it gets even deeper. I'm going to mix them up. Okay, See, you can't tell by looking at them which one is full and which one is empty, can you? You could even put um, a, a voltmeter across with no load, and they could even both measure nine bolt, volts, but one could be dead. Because to know if there's energy in the battery has got to be tested across a, a load. it has got to be a demand on it. It's got We've got to put it to work. That's why you have to go to AutoZone and have them check your car battery when you think it's dead. They put a thing on it where they test it across a load to simulate it actually working. Right? The thing is this. God wants us to live in such a way that we're filled with him so that we can always express that potential in power have the Spirit working in our lives. When He says, I want you to be filled with power or, or witnessing the power of the Spirit, understand it's an activity. It's something that's happening. It's not something just building myself up and sitting here, I'm powerful. No, you might not even feel powerful, but if you're filled with Him, when, when that demand is placed on you and the Spirit comes out and answers that need, the miraculous happens. And I'm going to close with this verse right here from James 5, 16, because listen, in light of the illustration from the battery, listen to what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Come on, we are supposed to be working. We're supposed to submerge ourselves in him and then get to work. Are you with me? Are you ready? Let's do it, shall we? I'd just like to um take a moment and pray. And um is Tom here or no? Tom, just if you just want to play something, or or if Bruce will come and just play something. It doesn't have to be anything big, just, just for a minute, because what I want to do, I just want to practice that with you. I want to. You could say the word activate, don't really mean activate. What I want to do is believe God. I don't want to just talk about the power that we have. I want to put it to work this morning. And so as Bruce plays the song, I just want to pray. I want to pray for needs. I want to, uh, if you want prayer, come on, we'll, we'll pray. We'll, we'll, we'll join together. Um, if not, I mean, just you pray, you speak to your need. Let that potential that's in you turn into power right spend it spend it get it out there and get it to work and i want to hear a ton of testimonies when we get together next week amen father we just love you we thank you hallelujah lord we thank you for your word we thank you for the power of the spirit lord i thank you that you've called us to this that you you, this is your idea father Father, I would ask that you would capture our imaginations once again. And instead of letting the world train us and, and the disappointments that we've had, let us look to you. Let us look to your word. Let us look to other Christians who are living the lives that, that we see in the Bible and realize that all things are possible. As the angel said, For nothing shall be impossible with God. And Father God, as I pray here this morning, I just stir up this, this gift of the Holy Spirit that's in me. And Father God, this, I, we do this together as a church, Lord, and we speak to these situations in our lives. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for meeting needs here this morning. Father God, let that, let that potential become reality here today. Let that potential become the power to set people free this morning. Let that potential come the power right now to, for blinders to come off and people to see the light of the gospel. Father God, may that, power be, that potential become the power to restore relationships with estranged loved ones, Lord, to bring people into the kingdom of God. Father God, may that power just continue to rest on us and flow through us, Lord, so that as we go out into our families, and into our jobs, people are touched by it and affected by it. Father God, I thank you. Thank you. Anybody have a special need that you'd just like us to pray for or to minister to before we go? Praise the Lord. All good. All good. Let's do it. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's push in this week. Let's come back next week with testimonies. Write them down so you don't forget. (laughs) Praise God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this group. Lord, thank you for the word today. Lord, let it continue to stir us up and change us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.